Welcome to the Out of Bounds podcast in correlation with uh, sideline coverage. This is uh, a week before the draft. We're uh, hitting the ground running. We got our mock draft up already on Spotify and on Stitcher. Go find us at Out of Bounds, B-O-U-N-D-Z. Um, take a listen, see what you think. We're, we're going to start churning out stuff a couple times a week, see what everybody likes. Uh, right now, we're just going to touch on some NFL news, some draft stuff. I got my guy trey hill here working the booth and uh got caleb my draft guru my jack of all trades uh gonna lead us in here and the first thing we're gonna talk about is the, the detroit lions and uh, a lot of rumors that they want to move out of the number three pick um you know they've definitely got some holes but it's it's kind of a crazy draft coming so so what do you think caleb what do you think of them trading out of number three and um, who do you think could target it Oh man, this is this is really intriguing. I I'm, I've heard so many different reports on different things regarding this. Like, oh, it's just it's really difficult to gauge where Detroit's going to go with this. It really just depends on what they value. I mean, if you you would have to get some kind of substantial offer, and I'm not sure who's going to be sending that. I just I'm not sure what the price is to move up to that third spot who assuming it's for a guy, maybe a quarterback like Tua or a Justin Herbert. I'm just not sure who's going to be moving. What are your thoughts? Well, well, let me ask you before I, before I uh, give you my thoughts, does the fact that the giants are now rumored in the same day to be looking to trade the number four pick, give you any pause if you're the lions that somebody else is trying to kind of mess with your game and trying to uh, really challenge what you're going to get. Because I do agree with you. I think any teams that are behind them are going to have to pay a premium price with three or maybe even four high first-round quarterbacks possibly going off the board. Um, Do you think the Giants are playing a smart game by pushing this news out? Or are the Lions really the smartest ones by getting out there first? You know, I think the... I think the Giants are smart just to get involved, just to see what kind of commotion they can cause. I mean, there's I don't see any bad that can come out of this for the Giants. So, I mean, you might as well try to see and listen around. I do think, though, the Lions having the number three pick and the Giants having the number four pick, even with the Giants hopping into the fray, Detroit's in the driver's seat. They have the number three pick, so a team could move up to number four and still have to worry about a team moving up to number three and taking the guy that they want it for. Absolutely. Uh, One more question for you, Caleb, before I give you my answer. Um, I'll give you the teams that have two first-round picks, and if any of these teams sound like they want to move up to number three, please let me know. Um, We have the Dolphins, who have three first-round picks. They um, They have numbers five, they have numbers 18, and they have numbers 26. And then you have the Jaguars that have numbers 9 and 20. And then you have the Vikings who have 22 and 25. Could you see any of those three teams as the likely contenders to move up to number three? Or do you think it'll be a dark horse candidate if somebody moves up that high? I honestly, out of those three options, I think Jacksonville would be the most likely to move up to three. And I, I just I don't see it happening. If Miami was to move up to three, 
it would be because they feared someone else was going to get to Tua, but no one in front of them is even a risk of taking Tua, so I'm not sure why they would trade up. Would they maybe package 5 and 26 to trade up to 3 just to make sure no one hops them at 4 with the Giants willing to trade their pick? There's, I mean, there's a definite possibility of that. Yeah, I, I think that's playing into paranoia. I mean, and that's what the draft season really is all about. It's about who's going to make what deal. Um, every GM that's going to be on those video conferencing calls and working those back channels is going to think that there's 10 trades waiting to jump them. Uh, whether that's true or not is is always you know hard to tell. But um, what I what I think Detroit's trying to do is they've they've had Jeff Akuda in their sights. That's been pretty much since the end of the the college football season. Everybody's slotted Akuda in there to Detroit, especially when Darius Slay got traded. And I, I just don't know if that's a player that they want. I mean, it's easy to say he's the best cornerback coming out in college football, and is he a number three overall pick? And I love Akuda. I loved him at Ohio State. And I do believe he's the best corner in the draft. If you're Detroit, this is Patricia's last year. I mean, they have to have a game-changing player. Is Jeff Akuda a game-changing player? I mean, is he a guy as good as he's going to be or that he could possibly be in his rookie year? Is he going to be a guy that is going to save Patricia, his job? That's gonna save Bob Quinn as the as the, you know the the president of the team his job. I don't know, and I think a lot of uh, coaches and GMs try and say, "Well, we, we're starting to build a foundation. I'm getting the other guys out, and I'm getting my guys in." And I think if a team like the Jaguars, which is a likely candidate, I could see them putting twenty and nine, and maybe a third or fourth rounder next year. If they're you know not bidding against anybody or even maybe a, a second or third next year to try and move up to three, whether it's Herbert who's really risen in the last week and a half, um, or it's Tua who seems to be falling this week, um, or who knows? I mean, maybe they move up to if they think Isaiah Simmons is the best defender in the in the draft. I mean, it, it's hard to tell. We always say that when a team jumps up, they're taking offense, but but that's not always true it's it's not the case all the time so it's definitely interesting it's it's a it's a fun rumor it's something people get to talk about in the in the dead of no sports right now so the the lions at number three and then the secondarily the giants at number four being open for business is is going to be fun over this next week i think the best scenario for detroit would be for miami to get that pick at three and them to move back to five and this is why i say that if a team moves up to three in the draft, they're most likely taking Tua or Herbert. At four, you would have the Giants sitting there. With assuming uh, You would assume that Akuda and Simmons would both be on the board at four. Even if the Giants would select one of those two, which I don't think they will. I personally think they're going to take Jedrick Wills. But then at five, Detroit would then have their selection between Simmons and Akuda still while also acquiring more draft capital. I I wholly agree with you there, not on Wills going at four, but I, I do agree that if they're going to do that, I just don't think Miami did all that finagling in last season in the offseason to trade up two spots and to lose an extra first rounder. I just, I don't see it. I understand you're not just in love with one guy. You have to do your due diligence. I understand 
there was a report that they wanted to try and sneak in one more meeting with Tua before, you know, COVID-19 kind of put a, you know, the kibosh on that. Um, they're doing their due diligence or they tried to do their due diligence, but I, I really just don't see them moving up two spots. I mean, if anything, I could see them taking the other two first rounders and moving back into the top 10 or, you know, trying to get to the early teens to get another player, another high prospect. But I just don't see them moving up to three. But again, I'm not a GM of a team, so I'm probably not the best person to ask. I think Miami moves up if they're 100% sold on Tua. And otherwise, I think they wait. And if he falls to them, I think they take him. But I think Miami is in love with Tua. I think Tua has been who they've wanted for over a year. And if the only cost is to make sure that you get your guy is the 26th pick because they're willing to spend the number five pick on Tua in this scenario in my head. So the only extra asset they're giving up to ensure the fact that they're going to get their guy being the 26th pick in the draft, I think that they would view that as a very small cost to ensure the pro- the probability of getting the guy that they want because quarter and quarterback more than any position in any sport you have to nail it and you have to be 100% on it and that's the spot I'm a Bears fan and I hated when they took Trubisky but I loved when they traded up because I thought for sure we were getting Watson and everyone was sure on Watson and you don't trade up unless it's a sure thing and you're sure on it but if Miami is sure on Tua I think they trade up just because of that paranoia. And I th- and to me, I think it'll be worth it. I, I agree with you, except on one point. If they do trade up, whether it's three or to four or whatever it is, but definitely to three, they're not giving up the 26th pick. They're giving up the 18th pick. The team that they're going to trade up with, the Lions, they are not going to accept the 26th pick. They're going to want to know who they're getting. Their scouts are going to do their job. And they're going to ask for the 18th pick. They are not going to drop all the way to 26 to move up. They are going to ask, and they're going to get the 18th pick. See, I think they'll, I think they'll ask for the 18th pick, and I don't think Miami will give it up. And the counter will be, well, Jacksonville had because Jacksonville's got what the ninth and 20th and 20th. But if you move to ninth and 20th instead of five and 26, you're not getting Okuda and/or Simmons. Yeah, and I, I agree. I do. I think I think they ask for 18, but I think Miami being able to tell Detroit, look, we're moving up for a quarterback. You're going to get your choice of anyone except for one person that's getting taken at four, and you get the 26 pick. I think that'll be enough to sell them on it if that's the route Miami ends up wanting to go. Definitely. You did mention though Tua falling on some boards. I haven't seen a whole lot about that. I've just a tidbit here and there. I've I've seen that he's some teams have him completely off their board and other teams have him falling. What have you guys what do you guys know or what have you guys read or heard about Tua falling? Joe, do you know what have you seen? Well, I know there was a report today from the Athletic that supposedly three teams took Tua off the board completely because of his medicals. First off, that's ridiculous. Um I I completely agree. I'm going to take two minutes here because, Caleb, I know you have a lot to say about Tua. Um, There is no reason to not be concerned with his medicals. Obviously, he's had a 
a semi-serious to serious health issues at Alabama. He's still a great, amazing player. Um, he is a, a all-class, world-class talent. There's no doubting that. There is serious concern about injuries and how he projects to the next level. That's what all this is about, is about projecting to the next level. But to completely take him off the board, I mean, what does that mean? So what, if it's the fifth round and Tua sitting there, you're just like, well, you know, we got Mitchell Trubisky. We got Nick Foles. Tua's there in the fifth round. No, he's off our board. I mean, what are we talking about here? Like, he's off the board? He's not off the board. What you're saying is if you have a top five pick, that he's not in the top five, but he's not off your board. That's just ridiculous. To me, that that sounds like teams that already have a quarterback that have told whoever the reporter is. Look, Tua is great, but we don't have his medicals. We're not sure. We've got a quarterback. Yeah. He, he's just not even on our board because we're, we're not taking him before someone else is. I, I don't think that that off-the-board stuff is anything more than uh, a fancy headline. I, I'm not an NFL reporter, but I'll give you my first piece of reporting. Do you know who the three teams that took him off the board were? The Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Seattle Seahawks. That's because they have Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes. Those are the three teams that took him off the board because there's no way they're drafting him. Other than that, everything else is ridiculous. But there is serious concern coming into the league with his size, with his injury history. And let's be honest, there's not many left-handed quarterbacks in the world anymore. It, despite everything, it is still a concern of offensive play callers because it literally flips your playbook. It changes your team. And there are people, fair or unfair, that are just going to still be a little wary. This guy is not six foot four, 230 pounds. He's not a prototypical guy. He is not John Elway. So um, there, there is real concern how far he could possibly slip. I don't know. I mean, if he gets past the Dolphins and Chargers, which are the two likeliest teams to take him at this point, unless somebody else really loves him and trades up, I mean, is he getting past, I don't know, is he getting past the Broncos at 15? I mean, could they take him if he fell that far? Is I'm assuming this is no trade-ups. This is just regular draft. I mean, I don't know. I, I tell you, a team, a lot of people have talked, again, this is no trade-ups. If, if I were a team looking, if he fell to 13 and the 49ers, and Jimmy G is in that contract that can be easily gotten out of, and is he the guy or is he not the guy? Boy, wouldn't Tua be a stab in the dark? Wouldn't he be a guy that you could just argue and say, hey, we're going to let the guy sit a year. He's going to learn our offense. Kyle Shanahan, great play caller. Let's put him in the system and see where it goes, even if he's got to sit a year. That's another year of Jimmy G to evaluate him. And then from there, who knows what happens? I mean, the first round is crazy. So um, that that's all I have on Tua. So, Caleb, if you want to. I'm going to hand this off to you because uh, I know that I believe you're calling in from Alabama, if I'm not mistaken, or or just you have all that Alabama stuff in your house. So so what are your thoughts on Tua falling and uh, falling off some draft boards? The idea of Tua falling off a draft board is ridiculous. The worst case scenario for Tua on a, any team's quarterback board for I, is three. Like if like, do you have Jordan Love above Tua on your board? Like I don't. 
No. Even if you have some questions about his medicals, I don't see any way he's anything worse than quarterback three on your board. And here's the thing. Assuming no trades, if Tua is sitting there at nine when Jacksonville drafts, I think they will run up to the podium and take him. If, if there was a podium this year, I, I do agree with you that Jacksonville should go up and take him. But um, I also believe that Jacksonville drafted Blake Bortles in the top 10. So I'm not too keen on what Jacksonville does. That's fair. I just I can't see a world where Tua falls outside of the top 10. And if he should, you're going to see a crazy amount of action of team of someone. I don't know who. But someone is going to jump at the chance to get to outside of the top ten. I and I, I just I would be floored if he fell outside of the top ten. I would be surprised if he went past Miami at five. Oh, I I, I agree. But I mean, it's, again, it's draft season. Everything is kind of ninety percent lies, five percent truth, and five percent make believe. Um. So it's it's hard to tell, but not to interject, guys. Um, it looks like Tua won't be the only guy falling. Becton has failed his drug test. It looks like from the combine. <laughs> so there's that. Um, well, I I do have to say that he's probably not the only one. I believe the report you're talking about stated that he was not the only one who failed. So um, there's no well, surprise I'm, there. I'm just- I'm just reading the headline here. On yeah. My phone. Oh, and and also the Wonderlick scores were leaked again this year, which is always wonderful. And if you couldn't tell, the dark-skinned quarterbacks did not do well in the Wonderlick, according to reports, and all the nice, tall, white guys did really well. So, um, you know, I'm sure people online are having very nuanced discussions about that. Um, but about Beckton failing his test, I mean... We talked about it in, in our first episode, Marcus and I did, about the CBA and about drug testing and stuff. He's going to go into phase one. He's not going to be in it for more than 60 days. He's not going to lose any money unless it really knocks him down the board, which, I mean, Laramie Tonsil had a gas mask uh, weed picture come out the day of the draft, and he was still in the first round. So, I mean, is it going to push him down? Eh, maybe. Um I don't think it's going to get him any higher, pun intended. Um, but it's, again, it's draft season. All this stuff's going to come out. All the guys who do dumb things, all the guys who are geniuses. And we just have to kind of plug our noses and push along. Yeah, that happens. Beckton really made a name for himself at the Combine. Listen, don't even get me started about the Combine. It's... Uh, <sighs> yes, Beckton definitely made a name for himself as a as a very large human being who ran very fast, jumped very high, and lifted things really, really big. Um, uh, uh, the combine is so frustrating because there's always these guys that come out and they 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 train. They go to academies literally right after they graduate or right after they declare for the draft, and they go to these academies and they go to Texas and they go to Florida and they go all these places around the country and they trim their bodies. So they look the best that they're going to, they train for the 40, they train at 225 to do those, um, do the bench press. They do all this stuff. It is so over, I'm sorry, the combine is so overblown in its current form. It is such garbage. It's great to watch people run. I love the Olympics. I love watching people run fast and jump far and jump high. It's so cool. 
I don't want to see football players do that. Do you know what I want? This is, to me, this should be half of the combine. They should put on game tape, kind of like how Gruden used to do his QB camps, and sit down with these kids and have them break down game tape. You have NFL Network. You have ESPN. You have all these analysts, all these ex-players. Sit down with them. What were you thinking on this? Well, how come, you know, how come you did this? How come you didn't do this? Take us in a behind-the-scenes look of what the coaches and the GMs and the scouts are doing with these players. That, to me, is more interesting than watching the fourth-string tight end from Colorado State run the 40 and then be like, oh, well, he projected higher than I thought. Okay. Um, not that you watched a whole lot of four-string Colorado State tight ends, but that's cool. Um, I wrote an article for Sideline Coverage a while back about things I would change about the Combine, so please go check it out if you want. Uh, it, it's just so bad in the way they do it. Football is a game of, of men against each other. It's competing against each other on every single down, and yet at the Combine, the only thing that we have is a leaderboard, like it's a horse race or a NASCAR race with times and speeds up there, and there's no actual competition. It's all self-motivation, which is a good thing. But you also have self-motivation when it comes to um, competing against somebody at the same time. So, I, I, I mean, guys like Becton and all that, I mean, it's great. But these coaches and GMs and scouts, they're looking at the game tape. They're seeing what he did and what they think he's going to do at the next level. Um, you know, it's all nice and flashy. It, it's it's like owning a Ferrari with a terrible engine underneath. Like, yeah, it looks pretty on the outside, but what really is there when you get down into it? And I just, I hate that the combine is what it is now. And I hate that they put it on prime time and try and pass it off as football because it is the farthest thing from it. It doesn't sound like you're going to be using combine numbers to uh, evaluate your draft prospects too much. <laughs> um, I, I will not because guess what? Cornerbacks and wide receivers run fast. Offensive linemen have good shuttle times, and quarterbacks, it doesn't matter as long as they look pretty. So, I mean, where else can you get that kind of NFL analysis? I know. <laughs> Listen, that's why I'm here, and that's what I do. A year from now, then, when we look back at this draft, Joe, who are who are the handful of guys that you think that you want your name attached to, that you're like, these were my guys, these are the ones who I thought were going to be successful, these are the guys who I would pick if I was running a team. Combine stats, be damned, I want this guy. Well, there's a couple guys. I, I, I'm going to have five. I'm going to have five guys. So um, they, they're not all necessarily first-round picks. Of course, you could put guys like Burrow, Chase Young up there. I don't want to pick guys like that. I only have one kind of top 10 projected pick that I like. Um, the guys that I'm really, you know, a year from now that I think on their teams are going to have solid positions, be good contributors, and that I'd be happy to have my names next to. Um, the, the first one is CD Lamb, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. Um, we've talked about on the podcast before about how a lot of colleges run pro style offenses now. Um, the Big 12, not known for their defense, is definitely known for their offense. And C.D. Lamb, you could argue, was, if not the best, at least the second best player in the Big 12 offensively. And I think that he's going to really do, <clears throat> do well wherever he goes in the draft. He's a projected top 15 pick, maybe even a top 10, depending on how things um, 
you know, pan out with uh, trade speculation and stuff like that. And I just think he's a guy who's going to go in and make a big impact in year one, and especially going a year from now, whoever drafts him is not going to need a number one wide receiver. Um, staying with wide receivers, I love, I brought him up before, Ohio State, be damned, uh, my biases. K.J. Hill, uh, he kind of fits into the Terry McLaurin mold from last year that went to Washington. Um, kind of a you know fringe second, third round guy. You know he's not your number one, but he's going to go in. He's going to make plays. He's going to catch what's thrown to him. Uh, he's going to separate from guys. And I just think whoever gets him is is not going to have to worry about wherever he's lined up. He's he's a smart receiver. He's got a good body. Uh, like I said, catches everything thrown at him. I I just think again whoever drafts him, it's going to be later in the draft. But whoever gets him is going to be really happy, and I would love to have my name attached to him. Um, my third guy is uh, defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw, uh, arguably the best defensive uh, tackle in the draft, I think by a decent distance over Derek Brown. Um, again, I, I really, really just <clears> – <throat> I like his motor. Uh, I like that he's athletic and kind of move around on the line. And – uh, whether he, you know, the Jaguars take him at nine has been some projections, or even if he falls, depending on what happens with the QBs with Tua and Herbert and Love, and God knows what's going to happen. Um, you know, even dropping a few spots back and somebody getting a really, really good player um, on the defense. I think we all kind of outside of you know pass rushers and cornerbacks, we forget that there are other guys in other positions on the field. And I think Kinlaw is going to be a guy who can really make a difference. Um, Speaking of speaking of defense, you know, Okuda is the the number one cornerback in the draft. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. But the second best is uh, C.J. Henderson, and there's no shame in that. Again, cornerback out of Florida, uh, I he projected mid first rounder. So take that for what you will. Uh, there's been some speculation that Dallas would really like to get him uh, to fill the Byron Jones spot. If they did, and I hate Dallas, so this kills me to say it, uh, I think that'd be a really nice pickup for them. Again, um, it's just a guy I'd really like to put my name onto, and, and next year, hopefully that works out. And the last guy, this is my this is my hard overhead pick. It's uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, again, I brought him up in the mock draft. I've talked about him before. His dad played in the league. He's a great young player. I could see him being a, a captain within his first couple of years. He's just got that mentality. Um, not the biggest guy in the world, but the NFL is changing. It's kind of like basketball in that regard, where you used to have to be a big guy to be dominant, and they've shown that that doesn't have to be true. <clears throat> so uh, those are my five guys that, that next year when the draft comes around that I think I'll, I'll feel pretty comfortable in saying that I'm not really worried about their those positions on the teams that draft them. What about you, Caleb? I, I know you're more of a draft guy, so you could go a little bit more in depth. So so uh, do you have some some prospects that you think a year from now that are just going to, you know, they're, they're going to be the ones you stand up on a table for? There are a few people in this draft like that for me. Um, I've got six, actually. I have three wide receivers and three quarterbacks. And I'm going to start with the wide receivers. Um the first person on my list is the person I think is the best wide receiver in this draft, and that is Jerry Judy out of Alabama. Um, the People are going to use the Wonderlick score as a knock on the internet, I'm sure. I care very little about that kind of stuff. 
Um, we can we talk about that for for just uh, two seconds here. I I, I want to bring something up that that Caleb talked about. Sorry, not to cut you off, Caleb. Um, if you don't know, I try to avoid all that stuff because I personally have never taken the Wonder Lick. Um, I don't know how much it actually makes a difference, but reportedly Jerry Judy, I believe, scored a nine on a scale of uh, zero to fifty. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe the interpretation is they say that uh, 13 or below or below 13 is borderline illiterate. Um, can we stop doing this? I mean, can we just stop? I mean, these guys are going to get torn apart anyway. They're going to get torn apart by the fan bases that draft them. They're going to get torn apart by the draft evaluators. I don't care about the Wonderlick test. I don't care about the SAT I don't care about the ACTs. I don't care about that stuff. It is great for certain jobs. These are football players. I don't know if Jerry Judy is going to be an astrophysicist when he's out of the league. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But if any team drops him off the board without talking to him and just going by a wonderlick, it is malfeasance. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, Caleb. It just really got to me when I saw the league scores. I tried not to look at them. They were everywhere. And I saw that, and of course, people are already adding him, and people are just just being what they are on the internet, which is pretty terrible. And I, it, it's just a shame, and I wish we, as a society, could just agree to stop it because it's really ridiculous. I'm gonna please, I have, please continue. Oh, it's okay. I have two comments on the Wonderlick test before I get back. Um, Lamar Jackson also scored incredibly low, and even if Jerry Judy would would have a problem reading or something like that they're paying him to read defenses not books so it's kind of irrelevant completely agree with you on that um the next player on my list continuing at the wide receiver trend is henry ruggs henry ruggs is in most drafts the consensus number three wide receiver and it's because of his elite speed henry ruggs these numbers are ridiculous. At Alabama, he had 98 catches. 24 of those were for touchdowns. That That's almost a 25% touchdown percentage. That is ridiculous. And I know teams are buying into speed, and people think that Ruggs is, quote, just a speed guy. Ruggs is so much more than that. He is not a John Ross that has one route. He is more in comparison to a a Tyreek Hill style. I'm not saying he is at that level, but there's the potential for him to be at that level. His explosiveness and speed could just it could change an entire offense. And I think whatever team gets him, it's going to be a complete steal for them. And I think he's going to be an offense changing player. Um, wrapping up my third with my third wide receiver, I have Denzel Mims from Baylor. The numbers are ridiculous with him. He's 6'3", 207. He ran a 4'3", He has great hands. I know the knock on him is that he was playing against notably bad Big 12 secondaries, and he wasn't always winning matchups. I feel like he's one of those guys that still has his best football ahead of him, and I think he's really going to develop at the NFL level. I think whatever team gets Denzel Mims, it has a future number one option. I think he could potentially be a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver down the line. 
Moving on to my uh, next three players I would most like my name attached to. These are the quarterbacks. I'm going to start with Tua. (laughs) We've already discussed how Tua has, quote, fallen off some draft boards. We've discussed how ridiculous that is. The idea of Tua... Falling outside of the top 10. I know the injury concerns. I know all of that. It's just, it blows my mind. As a person who has watched every single snap of this man's career in college, the only concern is health. People will say he doesn't have the deep ball. He doesn't have the deep accuracy. He doesn't have that elite, elite arm strength. You know who else didn't? Tom Brady. You know who else didn't? Peyton Manning. Tua Tungavailoa has things that you cannot teach. We're going to look back in five years, and there are going to be teams that are just kicking themselves over not drafting Tua. I think he is going to be a future Pro Bowl quarterback. I think he could potentially be a future MVP. And I think years from now, teams are going to regret passing on Tua because of the medical concerns they had. My next quarterback is Jordan Love from Utah State. You can't can't even say his name without sounding disappointed. I can't believe he's one of your your, uh, sign-me-up guys, but please go ahead. (laughs) Okay, you know what? I'm not even going to back off from that. I'm going to double down on these Jordan Love takes. I have some fantastic ones. Jordan Love last season had a down junior year. I'm not going to defend it. He led the FBS with 17 interceptions, but he lost seven starters on offense. He was playing with a new offensive coordinator, a new head coach. The talent surrounding Jordan Love was horrible last season. He he didn't respond great. I'm not going to defend that either. The skill set that Jordan Love has, it's, it's something you can't teach. It's incredible. The, the internet it loves to go wild with comparisons, and people have made Patrick Mahomes comparisons to him because of his skill set. Obviously, that's an insane reach. You don't want to put that level of expectation or anything on a quarterback coming in. But just to be mentioned in the same breath, because you have the same skill set, his size, he's 6'4", 220, he's extremely mobile, he has a rocket launcher for an arm. The decision-making at times was bad, he tried to force things, he tried to make plays whenever there wasn't a play to be made, but that can be coached, that can be corrected, and you can learn how to be accurate. You can learn to eliminate the small mistakes. And I feel the talent of Jordan Love is just way too much to pass up. My third and final player on my list is Jalen Hurts, the quarterback out of Oklahoma that came from Alabama originally. The the knock on Jalen Hurts is very simple. They say he can't throw. It's it's a uh, it's comical to say it like that, 
But we heard the same knocks coming out coming out about Lamar Jackson. We've heard this about other quarterbacks that have found success at the NFL level. Jalen Hurts is an Jalen Hurts is a winner. Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts is a guy who you can bring into the locker room. He is going to immediately become a leader. That is the personality he has. He is athletic. He's mobile. He has a great deep pass, despite the fact that people say he can't throw. If you put Jalen Hurts in a system that is designed around him, the way that Lamar Jackson has a system designed around him in Baltimore, you could have a complete superstar in Jalen Hurts. If a coach was able to implement a game plan similar to like what Frank Reich did in Philadelphia with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz with that RPO offense... Imagine a team that had a competent offensive line, a coach like that. Man, Jalen Hurts is so intriguing because you see what the potential is. And I think some team is going to get an absolute steal on Hurts in either the second or third round. And I think Jalen Hurts could be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. I mean, that's that's fair. I really don't have a, a problem with any of the, the ones you said. I mean, the Jordan Love stuff, it's so hard to tell. Um a lot of what you're talking about reminds me in a different way of uh, a quarterback not too long ago named Ryan Mallett drafted by the Patriots about a lot of physical upside, cannon arm, you know, good mobility. Now love is definitely more athletic, but um, just never really put it together. Um, so these guys are so, so hard. I mean, the Mahomes comparisons, like you said, are, are a little out there because even Mahomes, when the Chiefs traded up to get them, people are like, this guy like really so you know hindsight being 2020 it really worked out well for them but um now i have a quick question for you caleb before we move on i'm gonna give you two scenarios and you have to tell me which one you would bet your life on you have to bet your life that tua drops out of the top 10 so 11 or later or four quarterbacks go in the first 10 picks you have to bet your life on one. So presumably we have Burrow, Tua, Love, and Herbert all going in the top 10 or Tua dropping to 11 or further. Which one, if you had to bet your life, do you say is the one that happens? If I had to bet my life, I'd say four quarterbacks go in the top 10 before Tua falls out of the top 10. Okay. Well, it's nice knowing you. I had fun. It was... Uh, it was... It was was fun while it lasted, but, you know, we all have our time, I guess. No, I mean, my initial reaction is like, well, yeah, of course four quarterbacks will go in the top ten. But then I remember that Tua is one of those quarterbacks, and of course he should go in the top ten. But, I mean, Lamar Jackson shouldn't have been a trade back in in the first round. Um, Aaron Donald shouldn't have went, I believe it was 14th overall. I mean, like things happen. Um, so if I, if I was going to bet on one, I would say it's two of dropping out of the top 10. I, I don't think either is going to happen, but if I had to bet my life on it, um, I would say it's two of dropping out of the top 10, but that's just me. I just figured that was something to throw out to you and see what you were more confident in. But, um, I don't think either one's going to happen, but it, it, again, it'll be really interesting to see what happens next Thursday. So 
going from things you don't think are going to happen, let's talk about one thing you guys both think will happen. Round one, draft day is here. What's one move you guys think will happen? Do you think a team is going to maybe trade up? Do you think a team is going to trade down? Do you think any certain team is a lock to pick a player? Let's try to avoid Burrow or Young if we go that route. Um, Anybody got any draft move predictions? Caleb, I'm going to let you start off on this one because you are definitely the draft guru. So do do you have a pick or do you have something that you like? You know, I've got a couple things in this draft I really like. Um, I like Henry Ruggs going to Denver. I've heard rumors about Denver trading up to get a receiver, and I've heard them connected to Ruggs for months. I think the pairing of him and Sutton, like I mentioned on the mock draft podcast that you can go check out if you haven't already, I think that they would be a great pair together, and I think that's my favorite fit in the first As far as predictions for what I think happens, I really think Indianapolis is going to trade into the first round for Jordan Love. Wow. All right. Um, Go ahead, Trey. Oh, I was just, I I like, I like that idea. I, I, I think it's very likely or very possible to happen. Um, I know they did interview Love a few times. Um, I know they signed Phillip Rivers, but he's not going to be there very long. And Love could probably benefit from learning a year or even two under Rivers. And they've got a great offensive line. They they can get some wide receiver wide, wide receiving help. I think Love would be a good fit there, and I think that's a a good possibility. I mean, it's it's it, again, it's all going to depend on uh, you know what happens in the top five and see how things go. But I I definitely could see somebody, if not Indianapolis, somebody trading into the back end of the first round to to get Love. But I don't know who. It's it's just so I don't know. It's so hard to tell. Um, if you don't have any, I I have two things that I think will happen or or definitely could happen. Um, I think the 49ers are going to take the quarterback in the first three rounds. Um, it's it's not the deepest quarterback class, but there are some projects. There are some guys in the mid rounds that have been talked about. Uh, you mentioned one with Jalen Hurts. excuse me there's some other guys that have been thrown around but i could really see the 49ers uh trying to i don't know if push is the right word but with jimmy garoppolo with that contract being what it is um with them having a chance to get out from under any big money year by year i could see them taking a flyer on a young guy and trying to develop behind they've had cj bethard behind there and I could just see them taking a young guy to develop. And, and they seem to come from the Bill Belichick school. I know the Shanahan's and Belichick are really close. Uh, they always have been, have a, a great affinity for each other. And the Patriots have actually drafted more quarterbacks uh, after having Tom Brady than uh, any other team. So they were always looking for young guys to develop. And whether you can get uh, conditional draft picks later on, or trade them, you know, like they did with the Garoppolo. I think the 49ers could be looking at taking a a young development quarterback in the first three rounds. Um, the other thing I really I do see happening, or a very good chance of happening, I should say, is I could definitely see Jacksonville moving up. Um, they're at 20 and nine. Of course, you know Gardner Minshew mania last year. The 
the Napoleon Dynamite of uh, of the NFL handing out fake mustaches. Oh my God, I cannot believe I just said that. Um, I, I could really see them moving up, even if it's not for a quarterback. If one of these defenders drops and they think that he's a top flight defender, whether it's Simmons or Okuda, um, I could really see them trying to move up and grab somebody. Um, if you're a team like even the Dolphins or Chargers, again, depending on how the draft lays out, you're not going to have to jump a ton. So like 9 and 20 could get you all the way up to 3, uh, including a pick I mentioned earlier. But even if you're the Giants, you know, if you're trying to build around Daniel Jones and there's some good wide receivers, some really good wide receivers in the first round, you maybe trade back, let them come up and get the second best defender in the draft and, and try and gather picks. Um, I could really see the Jaguars making some moves, but then again, it's the Jaguars and they took Blake Bortles. So, you know, it doesn't always work out the way you hope. It's hard to tell what's going to happen with, with this draft coming up again. We've talked about in, in the last couple of pods, how with the virtual draft, it, it's really unprecedented. I think it's going to be just about as boring as the normal draft, but just in a different way. Um, if, if you don't have anything else, Caleb, there's not much going on. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of rumors um, whether you whether you follow the athletic or if you have ESPN plus, there's gonna be all kinds of rumors that you're gonna want to hear. You know, all your phone apps are gonna blow up in the next week talking about oh, somebody's coming up to get this person or this person isn't as highly considered as others, and it, it's what happens every draft season, and it's exciting and it's boring and it's uh, it's heartbreaking and it's inspiring and it's all the the adjectives and wonderful things you could say. Um, I, again, not really much going on in the league. So I think that's it for tonight. So, uh, I just want to say on, on behalf of myself, Joe McDonald and, uh, and Caleb and Trey, uh, thank you for joining us and, uh, can't wait to talk to you guys hopefully, uh, after the draft. Yeah. Have a good draft, everybody. Yeah. Have a good draft. Yeah. Have a good draft and good luck.